the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. There's one primary lesson I want us to learn today about our words. God designed you with your words, with your mouth, with your ability to communicate for one primary purpose. He's called you and me to be a blesser of other people. Your words are designed by God. You're called by God to speak words of life, speak words that are a blessing to the people around you. You're called to be a blesser. It's not just enough to avoid speaking the bad words. God wants you to speak good words. He wants you to use your mouth to bless and to help, to heal and to restore other people, to impact people in a positive way, to make a difference as believers in Jesus Christ in a very, very negative world, in a world that is filled with cursing. God wants you to be a voice of blessing, a voice that speaks good in a very bad environment. I'm going to talk to you today about some things that will help us to do this. I'm going to, first of all, share with you three ways that you're called to be a blessing. And then we'll look at some skills that are necessary to fulfill those three aspects of life. Three ways that you and I can bless. The first thing that God calls you and I to do with our words that will result in being a blessing is that God called you and I to be a reconciler of other people, a reconciler of people to God. We're called to use our words to reconcile. Jesus gave a tremendous sermon when he first started his ministry. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And that sermon is a tremendous sermon. Some of the most significant things we learn about how Christ wants us to live is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount contains what we refer to as the Beatitudes. There are eight attitudes that Jesus calls us to live by. One of those attitudes is recorded in verse number 9 of Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Jesus says, what I want my people to be is I want you to be not just not be troublemakers, but to be peacemakers. I want you to bring peace into the world. I want you to take the peace that I've given you and to distribute it among those that you interact with. I want you to reconcile, to bring peace in relationships. Not only to have peace in relationships yourself, but to bring peace, to reconcile people with one another. Not only do we need to be reconciled one to another, but people need to be reconciled to God. And you and I are witnesses in this world. Those of us who know Christ, we're given the responsibility, the mission to bring people into relationship with Christ. God has given you a voice to testify of the saving power of Jesus' blood, the saving power of Jesus' name, the saving power of Jesus' grace. God wants you to be a testimony and a witness to the world around you of what Jesus can do in a life. He wants you to use your mouth to tell of His goodness to bring people together and to reconcile people to God. See, every one of us here today, we're in this place today. And if you have a relationship with Christ, you have a relationship with Christ because someone helped you discover that relationship with Jesus. Somebody invited you to church. Someone 
communicated to you the gospel. You would not know the good news of Christ had there not been someone in your world that spoke up about Jesus. It might have been a mom, a dad, a grandparent. It might have been a friend at work. It might have been someone in your neighborhood. It may have been someone you just randomly met, but they shared with you their story of Jesus, and it, it had put a seed in your heart of what Christ could potentially do in your life. But someone shared the good news with you, and because you heard the good news through the voice of someone else, you came into relationship with God. You were reconciled with God because someone Someone shared Christ with you. And God calls each one of us to be people who speak blessing into the lives of others by sharing, yes, reconciliation, bringing divisive people back together again, being peacemakers, but also communicating the love of Christ to people who need the message of the good news of Jesus. There's a lot of bad news in our world. We need to be voices of good news, the gospel. The second thing that God gave you a mouth for, he gave you a mouth to remove burdens from other people. God wants to use your mouth, your words, to lift the burdens of people around you. I think all of us have had situations in life where we've had gone through a tough time, a difficult circumstance, and things have really been hard in our life in some way, and, and someone came along and they just they had that right word for us, that thing that lifted the burden from us, that helped us to carry the load that we were carrying. Maybe it was not a lot that they said. Maybe they only said a few words and, and they were with us, but those words, they strengthened us. They helped us in the journey that we were facing, and you and I need to be people that don't place burdens on others, but we lift burdens from us others. Burden bearers. Look at what the scripture says about this in the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. I'm reading from the message paraphrase. Stoop down. He's talking to us as believers. That is be humble. Reach out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed that are bearing down pressures in their life. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Share with them. Carry their burdens with them. Be someone that through your words you're helping them through the hard times of life. Proverbs 15, 23. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is, it is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. And God wants to bring you into situations where you will say the right thing at the right time. One of the prayers that I would encourage you to pray every day. It's a simple little prayer. You can pray it in a matter of just seconds. But if you're sincere about it, it's a tremendously powerful prayer to pray. God, today, would you lead me into conversations and help me to say the right thing at the right time. The third thing that you and I need to do with our words is to learn how to resource with our words. God gave you a mouth to be a resourcer. To resource means to give to another person the tools or the guidance or the wisdom they need to find their destiny, to find their destination. That's why God gave you a mouth. He gave you a mouth because he wants to use you to reconcile, to bring all these divisive elements together in the environments and the relationships that you come in contact with, that you're a peacemaker. You're not a troublemaker, you're a peacemaker. And you're reconciling people to God. And you're, you're removing burdens from people by the words that you speak. Not laying burdens on them, but lifting burdens from them. And you're resourcing people. There's wisdom in your life to help you to resource others. Take a look with me at Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 6. The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush. But the words of the godly do what? Save lives. Proverbs sixteen twenty three says, From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive or they are full of instruction. They have the ability to aid and add to learning. Colossians 3.16, let the words of Christ and all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So here you see that we're to receive wisdom from God. 
let the words of Christ dwell richly within us. And then we're to take his words and to teach and counsel each other. And then to take his word and allow it to help us to worship God effectively. So there's in the middle of this, there's this call to teach and counsel, to be a resourcer with our words to and for other people. Now, when it comes to speaking the right way, to using our words to be a blessing, to reconcile, to remove, and to resource, we need skill to do this. I want to take just a few moments today and share with you four skills that each of you can develop that will help you to accomplish these three things in your life. This mission that God has given us to use our words in this way. Four things that will help you to do this. First of all, to learn the language of appreciation. Appreciation is gratitude. It's taking a look at other people and being aware of the value they add to your life or the value they add to a situation and then speaking that over them, declaring to them, I appreciate you because appreciation builds relationship and out of relationship you can reconcile, out of relationship you can remove, out of relationship you can resource. You can't do any of those things if there's not a relationship. And so the way you build relationships with people is you appreciate someone, you communicate your appreciation. Now, if you want to be effective with your words, learn how to say thank you to people and say, I appreciate you for, and then fill in the blank specifically in terms of what you appreciate them for. One of the things I love about the Apostle Paul is that as he gave us so many books of the New Testament, so many of these letters that he wrote to different churches, you will discover something about the Apostle Paul every time he writes a letter to a church. He always expresses himself in appreciation to them. Take a look with me, if you will, at Romans chapter 1, verse 8. He's writing to the Roman believers, and he says, How I thank God through Jesus Christ for each one of you. You're hearing his appreciation? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. There's this loving appreciation that Paul is extending to the churches that he had care over. The more you appreciate, the more relationship will open. The second thing that you have to learn to do is a skill. And you can do this. The second skill is a skill of affirmation. See, appreciation is related to something specific. I appreciate you for whatever it might be. You fill in the blank a specific thing. Affirmation is different. Affirmation is is not just appreciate. It's it's beyond that. It's I care about you just because of you. Not what you do, but because you are who you are. Every person on the planet wants to feel that they matter. Joshua in the Old Testament was a man who needed some affirmation at a very critical time in his life. Joshua had served Moses for many years, and Moses was a a great man of God. You can't even imagine the kind of relationship that Moses had with God. I mean, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, and God talked to him. Moses was there when God's finger wrote in Ten Commandments on on tablets of stone, and Moses comes down the mountain with the very stones, that tablets that God wrote on. Moses is an incredible man of God, but there came this point when Moses' life was over. He died, and now here's Joshua, who's now going to lead the children of Israel into the Promised Land. Can you imagine how intimidating that must have been to be Joshua following Moses? I don't want to be Moses' successor. How about you? I don't want to try to fill his shoes. 
here's Moses, this great man. Now I've got to fill his shoes. And so here's Joshua feeling all the insecurity. I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I'll be able to make it through this. How can I handle this? How can I get the people of God into the promised land? I mean, all these enemies that are there. And God shows up on the scene after telling Joshua that Moses was dead. God shows up on the scene and says these words to Joshua, be strong. Joshua 1, 6 and 7, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. God shows up and says, Joshua, you got this. I'm with you. You're going to lead them in. I'm affirming you. You're going to make it. Jesus himself understood the value of affirmation. Jesus, we don't know a lot about Jesus' life between his birth and 30 years of age. We know about his birth, the miraculous aspect of his birth. We know something about when they went to Egypt, back to Israel again. And then we know something about him when he was 12 years of age at the temple. But other than that, we know very little about the first 30 years of Jesus' life. But when he was 30, something happened. He's going to begin his earthly ministry. So he goes down into out through the wilderness down to the Jordan River where John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River. And Jesus shows up there at the Jordan River and John sees him coming and says, that's the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus approaches John the Baptist and says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John the Baptist says, I, I think something's wrong with this picture. I think you ought to be baptizing me, okay? Really, what should happen here? Jesus said, no, no, I want you to baptize me. It's going to fulfill, it's the right thing to do. It's going to fulfill all righteousness, the very thing I need to do. So you baptize me, John. And so there in that moment, John the Baptist obediently baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And when Jesus came up out of the Jordan River, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended down upon him like a dove. And then God spoke from heaven. Listen to what God said in that very significant moment. And a voice from heaven, Matthew 3, 17, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. I am fully pleased with Him. What is that? That is the Father's affirmation of His Son. He's saying, Jesus, I am with you. You're going to make it through. You're my beloved Son. I am well pleased with you. Part of my prayer for you today is that you're in this place. I I pray that you would hear the voice of your Heavenly Father saying, You're my Son. You're my daughter. I'm pleased with you. My prayer today is that you would hear the voice of the Heavenly Father affirming you because if you're never affirmed, it's hard to affirm anyone else if you don't feel very affirmed yourself. But when you begin to feel the affirmation of God's love for you, then you have something to share with others. You are unconditionally loved by God. There's never a time you could ever, you could ever get outside of the love of God. God will love you. No matter whatever happens, you could never do anything that would cause God to stop loving you. We see that in the story of the prodigal son. This young man asked his father for his inheritance, went out and wasted it. And he thought, I'm just a wreck. I'm wasting my life. I'm going to go back to dad's house. And maybe he'll let me be a servant there, but I'll never be a son again. But here's this young man that comes back home. And the father runs out and meets him and throws his arms around him and gets the, the fatherly robe and puts it on his, on his shoulders and puts the ring on his finger, the signet ring of the family back on his finger again. And the sh- sandals on his feet and kills the fatted calf. And they have an amazing party. Why? Because the father's love was consistent for his son. The Father's love is consistent for you, dear son, and the Father's love is consistent for you, dear daughter of God. He loves you. He's affirmed you. He wants you to use your mouth in affirming other people. 
And number three, communicating encouragement. People need to be encouraged. And God wants to use you to be an encourager to other people. To encourage is to put courage in, to enable people to believe what's possible for their life. The Bible is very clear about the call to encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. You're already doing this. Learn how to do it more effectively. Make it a part of your life. Hebrews 10, 25, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of His coming back again is drawing near. Here the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, you need, to, you need to make sure that, that church is a part of your life. Don't neglect the assembling of yourself together. Why? Because you need to be encouraged, and especially more so as you see the day coming near that Christ is going to return. Dear ones, I want to tell you today that Jesus is coming back again. We don't know when he's coming back again, but we're nearer that day than we've ever been before. He is coming back again, and when we need the encouragement in the midst of this world, the Bible says that in the last days, perilous times will come, and in the midst of the perilous times that we see in the world around us, we need the encouragement of one another, not just the encouragement of God. I need you to encourage me, and I need to encourage you. We need to encourage each other in these perilous, challenging times in which we live. We need one another. We need the voice of encouragement. God gave you lips to encourage, and the last thing that God gave you lips for that I'll mention today is to, is to develop the skill of not just encouragement, but the skill of inspiration, the ability to inspire other people. I want to combine those two together, encouragement and inspiration, just for a moment. You know that perhaps you've had a conversation with someone before that took the breath out of you, and then other conversations that put breath into you. See, every one of us I want to use this illustration with us today. Every one of us carry what we might call a a big balloon inside of us. It's our spirit, our soul. And a balloon can be inflated or a balloon can be deflated. In fact, why don't you do this together with me so we all get the picture. When you're having interactions, not only with your own life, with other people, would you just get your hands in front of you this morning? You ready? Okay, this afternoon. And a balloon, think of that just like everybody carries this balloon inside of them. And your balloon can be inflated. Come on, help me out here. Or it can be deflated. Okay. We've had the same problem all services. It's called coordination. Let's try it again, okay? okay. <laughs> I think you can do this, all right? A balloon can be inflated or it can be deflated. And words can inflate your balloon or words can deflate your balloon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Inflate, deflate. There's some people that walk around with a pocket full of pens. <laughs> and they have a conversation with you. Well, they don't think it's much, just boop, 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 boop. And then you finish the conversation, why well, I feel so bad? Because you've been hanging around with a pinhead, okay? You know, it's, just, it's like you've been hanging around with somebody just popping all the balloons and say, yes, boom, 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 boom. Okay, little by little, just kind of take the air. Some people are not so subtle. They come in with a shotgun, just shoot you one shot. You're good, okay? That's over, okay? See, God doesn't need us going around as deflators. God wants you to be someone that inspires other people, right? You breathe life into someone and say, you know what? You can do this. You can make this. You can move forward with your life. God has a purpose and plan. Here's a breath for you. It'll keep you going. The story of a man in the Bible, in the book of Joshua chapter, excuse me, Judges chapter, chapter 6. I'll give you a little bit of the setting of the story. We're just about done today, so stay with me for a couple more minutes as we're wrapping up. This man lived in a time when the Israelites were under the oppression of the Midianites. Here's how it would work. 
The Israelites would work, every hard, work very hard every year trying to plant their crops and then harvest time would come. And as soon as the harvest would come, the Midianites would swoop in to the land of Israel and they would set up camp and they would steal all their harvest. So they would not have any fruit of their work. And so then they would go through the process again the next year. And sure enough, harvest time came. Here come the Midianites stealing the harvest again. Seven years this was happening. It got so bad that a man there by the name of Gideon decided, you know what, I've got to have some food for my family. And so he he got got him some of the harvest and he he ran to a wine press. It was a cave and he went in and hid in the wine press wine press, the cave, and he began to thresh out his wheat for his family. He was in fear because he didn't want the Midianites to find him, that little bit he had for his family. He's, he's trying to protect it and get something to sustain his family. He's living in fear. He's not a very inspired person. He's very deflated by life. And God sends an angel to this man by the name of Gideon. And note the story, if you will, in Judges chapter 6, what happened when this angel showed up in his life. And the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the oak tree at the Ophrah which belonged to Joash, the clan of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, had been threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So he's very deflated, very discouraged. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, read the rest with me. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, let's just stop for a moment, okay? Here's a guy hiding in a cave, shaking in his boots, deflated, fearful, and what does God call him? What? Now, is there something not compute about that to you? Okay. Doesn't look like a mighty hero, right? He looks like a deflated, fearful, intimidated man. But here's what you've got to see. God sees things in people that we never see in ourselves, okay? God, when, you feel, when you feel at your worst, God sees a hero inside of you, okay? Are you hearing me? Okay. When you're in the lowest place of your life, God is able to look down and say, there's something I see in you that you can't see about yourself. So God saw something in Gideon that Gideon could not see in himself. God saw a hero in that man. He didn't feel like a hero, but God saw a hero in him. And God in that moment, he breathed some inspiration into Gideon. And you know the story. If you read the story, Gideon rises up and he begins to go against the Midianites. And God delivers Israel from the Midianites by the hand of Gideon. Why? Because in that moment, God inspired him. Okay? Just as God wants to send his inspiration to you, God wants to use you as an angel to go to other people and speak inspiration into their life. Timothy, the protege of the Apostle Paul. Paul set Timothy into the pastorship, the leadership of a church at a place called Ephesus. We know of Ephesus by the book of Ephesians in the Bible. And so Timothy had the responsibility of pastoring this significant church at Ephesus. And he felt very intimidated by the responsibility. He felt like he couldn't do it. He didn't feel very inspired. I mean, after all... who? He's not like the Apostle Paul. Paul was this great man as well. And so his tremendous relationship with God. Here's Timothy. He feels very uninspired, very, very limited, very discouraged, feeling as though he can't do this job that has been assigned to him. And God write, Paul writes him a letter in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, and pens these words to a deflated young man by the name of Timothy. And Paul writes these words, For this reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of intimidation or, 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 or timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul writes and says, Timothy, Timothy, 
Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. I know it is in you. I see something in you. It's there. I know it's there because I laid my hands on you and I prayed for you and the Holy Spirit came inside of you. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you because God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And there in that moment, something clicked inside of Timothy and he said, yes, whatever God calls me to do, I can do. Whatever God asks me to do, I can do. Why? Because there's an inspiration that occurs inside of him through these words of the Apostle Paul. Your words are powerful. Your words have the power of life and death. Why did God give you and I a mouth? Why did God give us the ability to communicate, to articulate? Because God wants to use you to be a blesser. He wants to use you in this negative, ugly world that we live in. He wants to use you to reconcile people. He wants to use you to remove burdens from people. He wants you to use your mouth to to resource people. He wants to put in your mouth words of appreciation and words of affirmation, words of encouragement and words of, of inspiration to other people. Because when those words flow from you, you speak life into the world around you. And I will tell you, life always conquers death. Amen. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.